Hey everyone, we are Movie Show Theater. This is a new radio show on 90.7 WAZU. We are three local friends who love cinema. We like to pick it apart, we like to watch it, we like to find new meaning, we like to rewatch it, and we always have a pretty good time doing it. So we've been doing this for about eight months now, and now we're going to be doing it on 90.7 WAZU. So this is the first episode, and if you like movies, you're probably going to like this too, so keep listening. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. everyone you found us again that's awesome real quick here before we start i wanted to mention a couple things 90.7 wazu we're gonna have a weekly one hour show on this radio station uh you can get all the details at our facebook where of course you can get all of our past episodes good and bad no, there are no bad episodes. What are well, you talking about? Sound-wise, okay, let's sound be real. Wise. Okay, sound-wise, maybe. There but. are just varying degrees of character. That's the way I'd like Yeah, to exactly. The go. ones that don't sound as great just have more character. More it's like character. it's like metal with those terrible black metal bands that sound like they're recording in their friend's basement, which they probably are and banging on trash woods. It's just like, oh, yeah, these guys were totally brutal, so... Yeah, let's just, let's just call it gritty. Following. I don't know. And, yeah, and gritty, that'll, indeed. That'll, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Gritty, gritty, gritty and indeed. real. Yeah, we can. We'll make that uh, the uh, ultra hipster episode or yeah, episode. That'll be the hipster show. Theater. Man, we don't care about sound quality. It's about the message, man. Whatever. Yeah. You, would, you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't get it. It's 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 obscure. It's obscure. You never heard what of are you it. Gonna but... do? Anyway, um, anyway, and then in June we're gonna be doing a one night, probably a Saturday night, a film. That's going to... Well, this is new to Stu. He doesn't know about this yet. Surprise! Hey! <laughs> Woo! But we're going to do a Saturday night uh, film festival. Basically, we're going to do two or three movies. So stay tuned for details on that. I have worked out the details. I'll tell you later, Stu. Okay. <laughs> and it's very exciting. Yay! Hello, Film Files. I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Ben Snowden. And I'm Stuart Randolph. Uh, this is... Movie Show Theater, and today we're doing A Clockwork Orange, directed by some unknown, I don't know, we'll figure out who it is. Who's that? Speaking of which, dabbing into this right from the get-go, you say this ain't no podcast for hippie music. What was up with the music in this film? That's, I'm glad It was so, it it was discordant to what was going on in the film the entire time. At one point, you have a woman being raped. The next point, you have him singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. And kicking them to the point of being broken permanently. Well, I think it's so so far on the opposite end of the spectrum from, like, music and visuals, what should mix. It's so well, far that there somehow... Was no, there was no music and visual that mixed with the exception of the, the torture scene. The time out here is how classical music um, plays a role in the original material, but I think when they <laughs> adapted this to film, they took a much different approach. Yeah, because we're, we're going to have to mention the book. Yeah, because oh, a, yeah. a lot of it's, you know, synthesizer-based, and you had 
Wendy Carlos, who was Walter Carlos. That's a different story. That's a weird um, one. Somebody who somebody who had a, a sex change. So let's just say you know last name of Carlos, uh, but was famous first for I think playing Bach through a synthesizer. So he or I guess she wrote um, some of the score and just translated some of that classical music into synthesizer. Which which for the time was actually fitting for the time. I mean, because you got you got. Groups like Tangerine Dream and and some other really kind of whacked out kind of synthesizer based stuff that With was some psychedelic influence. They were psychedelic influences and whatnot. But the 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 thing that that was truly a uh, a jarring thing for me is that for a movie with with what appears to be a messed up London street gang. I mean, we'll get to the costumes in a little while, but a messed up London street gang. It it just having its leader be enamored of classical music and the way that he was enamored of, with it. And I know Sexually that... aroused. At, at times, yeah. I mean, he like truly was, yeah. But it was... It was one of those things where I, I just... It didn't jive with me for whatever reason. It just didn't... I, 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 I was almost offended myself watching mm-hmm. the film because it was so... It sent such a discordant note for me, so... Well, that's interesting that you say that, too, because I'm not um, a classical music aficionado. I I do enjoy classical music, but I found the music to be very fitting. I mean, not in a traditional sense, but considering the director and some of the films that he's put out, I mean, they blend, you know, Wendy Carlos with um, the classical pieces very harmoniously that it, it, it seems... Like, awkwardly fitting? I mean, I can never hear the Ninth Symphony by Beethoven, and I can't hear the I, funeral for Queen Mary and not think of this movie. Well, here's movie. the thing. Uh, again, that's, yeah. Consider the perspective. And to me, this is why uh, it works, because I had actually read the book before I had seen the movie. So the film made sense to me because you're in Alex's headspace, so when you hear... All these different classical pieces. I'm relating it back to the book as well, saying, "You know, this this makes sense because." Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but in the book, when they classically conditioned him against violence, sex, didn't they also incorporate a music element so that he was conditioned against all music, yeah, not was, just the Beethoven? Mm-hmm. I, at the very least, it was all classical music, so it wasn't just Beethoven in the book. It was like which, all classical music, which to me. That makes no sense whatsoever because if you're going to classically condition somebody against a form of music at that particular time, you know, in 1971, the year I was born, spoiler, (laughs) yes, I'm that old, kids, Uh, but 1971 when this was made, it was the heyday of, of not just rock and roll, it's coming out of the 60s. Yes, disco soon came along, which ruined a lot of things, but... It was the heyday for some of the best popular music that had ever been created, and yet, what do they use? They use this offbeat synthesizer, wackadoo stuff, mixed with truly beautiful classical music. And I I guess I didn't get it. I did not get where Kubrick was going, other than he was, in somewhat of a way, paying homage to the book in some ways. Because... uh and this is the thing that got me because if you read Anthony Burgess's comments, he was the opposite of Stephen King, where it seemed like over time he soured more and more on Kubrick's adaptation. So with Anthony Burgess, 
he doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me in his comments because if you look at the book, Alex is actually younger, which makes everything that much more messed up. I mean, he's, I think, 15 in the book. <laughs> is um, he really? Because he looks, he looks like he's 19, almost yeah. 20 in, in, the, in the movie. And Malcolm McDowell playing this particular character is perfect. His voice... I mean, you don't even have to look at his face while he's speaking. This I, I I don't remember the first time I saw this movie, I'll be honest. But watching it again recently to talk about it here today, that was one of the most interesting things because his voice is so distinctive. Mm-hmm. I mean, as and the name Alex DeLarge... Yeah, Delarge. What a what a weird last name, anyway. But as Alex Delarge, his voice is so commanding throughout the entire thing. And I know you're going to bring this up at some point, Jimmy. I absolutely know this, so I might as well get it out there. Dystopian yes, narration. <laughs> narration works beautifully for this because this book, or the, not this book, this movie exists in Alex's head. And it is all book. in his head. Well, and I love and that he so, breaks down the fourth wall, too. Absolutely. Well, he narrates in the book, too. It's it's first person. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all in his head. And so you cannot make this movie. You cannot do anything with this without that narration. Yeah. And so it's not a an explanation of a scene. It's, it is, it is in the truest Shakespearean sense, a, a soliloquy to the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially and, during the scene where it transitions transitions to him being in prison. Mm-hmm. I think that was some of the most effective Absolutely. narration. It was brilliant. That Absolutely sergeant brilliant. that checks him in, that empties his pockets. Oh, I yeah. kept thinking, like, Behind this line. should be John Cleese. It is ridiculous that this actor is not, like, his unnecessary stomping <laughs> when he enters a room. It was almost the Ministry down. of Silly Walks. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, like, so much of this movie kind of traverses the spectrum of human emotion. Like, I went from laughing out loud to, like, what we had talked about before we started recording, the first 20 minutes is relentless. Relentlessly It doesn't stop. It goes, you know, there's two rape scenes. There's a scene where they're, you know. gets the life almost beaten out of him. Yeah, right. And then they're racing down the street, and there's this really intentional, like, cheesy, campy backdrop that is so cool. Um... And Kubrick and using a lot of white, like all the vehicles are white. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, Kubrick the one white. that they stole wasn't white. It was orange. I thought it was white. I, I thought, thought that was, was orange. Too. I don't know. I thought that one was like the a, Durango ninety. Yeah, whatever that was. With it was. A, I thought it was orange. I didn't think it was it's, white. It's, it's hard to watch though. I remember watching, trying to watch this movie. I knew that it was iconic. So I mean, if you know anything about film, you at least know of this movie's existence. And there are certain scenes that are. Um, Fun to watch. There are certain that are certainly not fun to watch. The first twenty, if you can get through the first twenty minutes of this movie, you can get through any movie. Oh, you not only can you get through any movie, but you can. <laughs> there's some that says something about you if you can get through the first twenty. Truly, minutes and of like you movie. said about the so, music, man. I, I mean, mean, it was just discord. It, it was just so out of. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm never going to watch Singing in the Rain again without thinking of Alex. Practically beating that author to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, While, the the beating that the guy took, the author, I think his, his name uh, was Frank Alexander. Yes. Um, yeah. Frank Alexander um, paralyzed him so that he had to... I mean, he even, uh, as a result of that, you know, he his wife ended up dying. Mm-hmm. Well, 
but in I mean, like, air quotes as a result of that. Well, he blames yeah, it like on a, the attack. Yeah, but, more like a. It seemed like more of a depression. Scenario. Right. I don't want right. to live scenario, which is <laughs> exactly. even worse. Absolutely. As somebody who's merciful, you'd probably hope that you know. I mean, this sounds bad, but after something so brutal that the the wife would have just ended up dying like right then and there because of just think of the horrible memories from that. Oh well, no kidding, no kidding. I'm not I'm not a Kubrick uh, scholar by any means. I haven't seen Lolita. I haven't seen Barry Lyndon, but I have seen a fair amount of Kubrick films, um, and some of them are more traditional three act story arcs that are. Kind of on the surface level, easier to watch, you know, like Shining is one. Right, right. This is one of those. Um, but, like, Eyes Wide Shut and 2001 are, like, you, you can't really watch them and walk away and think, oh, that was a standard traditional movie. Absolutely not. You, you no. can't do that. With, with this one, there's a lot under the surface, too. But, I mean, on you know, at the very basic level, there's... You know, it, it can be a coming-of-age story, and that's fine. And you can walk uh, away and no. think that, and that's fine. <laughs> well, here's well, the thing. Yeah. You know what? You bring up something very interesting, too, because um, this is where there was kind of a quarrel with Anthony Burgess and Stanley Kubrick. There are two versions of the book, and in one version, there is actually a positive ending. Um, it's the infamous Chapter 21 of a right, Clockwork right, Orange, right, right, where right, right. Alex is... Thinking on the things he's done in his youth, and he he's wants repentant. To, he's repentant. He wants to turn things around, and he sees the light. But uh, the original version, or I guess it's the U.S. version compared to the international British version, is right. it, it ends the same way as the film does. He's like, it does. So I'm cured, and by I'm cured means I can go back to doing everything I did before. And yet which, now I get to do it for the government. Yeah, which brilliant. Yeah, because what is that saying? I mean, it's all it, this whole thing is a blast on. It is a blast on society, our treatment of people in society, and on how the government views criminals, the 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 mentally disturbed or insane, if you will, or whatever term you want to use. It it absolutely at that time takes a shot at all of that mm-hmm. and how we treated people who were outside the norm. Now, at that time, is Alex outside the norm? Oh yeah, he and his droogies. What truly outside the norm? Mm-hmm. That was more Terry Grant than Droogie, I think. But no, that's that, right. that was all right, though. Me yeah, brother, so, me brother. I'm not even going to try. Too right. Recorded. Uh, yeah. well, but you, you make an interesting You're not point going because to even try, I, babe. I, I, no, I won't. I'm not going to try, you wanker. His M and his M and P. His M and P. Right. Hey, audience. M and P. Well, listen, right. Audience, when when you hear that that crash in the background that sounds like a window breaking, that's not a gang breaking in. That's just me diving out diving out the window. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you you brought up an interesting point too because I think you see some of the same elements at work in Full Metal Jacket, where you're looking at an institution and how it dehumanizes absolutely to where Mm -hmm. they have no free will and they become pretty much less than a man. I mean, there's I mean there are lines in the Clockwork Orange to talk about you know. When you don't have choice, and this is me paraphrasing, you, you don't, you don't, you know, you're not a human anymore, pretty much, if you don't have a choice. Even if you're a vile, disgusting human being, if you don't have choice, I mean, you're pretty much nothing. You're a machine. You're a clockwork orange. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't get, but that's all right. That's like, I mean, that, yeah. One of those things that's just, just very it's like, yeah, Well, I think yeah. it's described more in the book, but like, yeah, uh, right, uh, right. describing an orange is like. I mean, in a sense, it's grown, and if you want to use that as a parallel to humans developed a little bit, you have to nurture it, it grows. 
But if you try to make it a mechanism, it just doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's almost one of those things that's a contradiction in and of itself. What I mean, we had this discussion before we started recording, like, what is a clockwork orange? It's one of those right. things that doesn't make sense, which I think is, that's what the film and book both say, you know, it doesn't make sense to try to mechanize the human um, free will. It, 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 and Kubrick didn't come up with that. You know, sometimes no, no, they have these, that's these, these right, adaptations well, where I mean, the director the has a new, right. you know, has a new interpretation, like right. the Philip K. Dick and Blade Runner, you know, well, came course, up with a new course. title. But, right. yeah. So, yeah, that, that wasn't Kubrick's. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm looking at, it, 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 when I'm thinking mm-hmm. about the, the, fil- the film itself and in the very beginning, who is going to okay? Can we talk about their outfits just a little bit? I mean, yeah, okay, because I I know that in high school my friends and I pretended a little bit. I mean, we were a little out there sometimes, and we were we were the uh, dark siders of the eighties, if you will. All right, we were the uh, 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 what do you call them? Oh, I don't know, goths of the eighties. We were pre goths, if you will. But one one Halloween, my buddies and I decided to dress up like the Droogs for Halloween. Now, we got close. Close. But looking at the costumes more more closely now, there's some elements of it that we didn't even pick up when we went to dress. The eyeballs that were on Alex's cuffs, did you notice that he had actual like eyeballs on his cuffs? Dim had flames or blood looked like blood dripping or something on his uh, uh, suspenders. And and everybody wore a different hat. And we all went for the same bowler type hat that mm-hmm. like Dim and, and Alex Everybody wore. wanted to be Alex. Everybody Dim. wanted to be Alex, yeah. right? I mean, because Alex was the king. But again, we all, dre- <laughs> me and three of my buddies dressed like that for, for Halloween once. We went to a high school sanctioned Halloween dance. Dressed as the Droogs. We had watched the movie once. We didn't understand what we had seen. I know for a fact we always thought it was boobs, 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 boobs. We yeah, saw yeah, lots yeah. of boobs, boobs, boobs. That guy hit with some chains. Oh, yeah. my God. So much pubic hair in this yeah. movie. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Oh, jeez. Boobs, 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 boobs. And that's what we thought at the time. And we didn't really, it didn't click with us that the 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 sex and the violence and everything were so gratuitous mm-hmm. it was just my my pubescent brain was just boops boops boop 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 hey look boops that's what i thought at the time and i thought cool will distress us these nimrods and and but i i it, i wouldn't i would never let my son leave the house my son's 16 now and i know that's what's on his mind boops boop 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 boops mm-hmm. but I would never leave, let him leave the house dressed as Alex DeLarge or any of them because I understand now. But maybe your, had your parents seen the movie? Did no, 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 so no. And the, this that's is the distinction. This then. is the distinction. Yeah, my folks, my folks were were not overly hip with that sort of thing. They just weren't. All right. And so, uh, and to be honest with you, my dad would never have watched this film. He still to this day won't watch this film. I guarantee it. Even if I was like, Dad, you got to sit down and watch this film with me. He'd be like, the first 20 minutes, he'd be like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. It's just too violent. It's too gratuitous. It's too awful. Doesn't matter if, you know, after that point, we start to understand what's really being shown or being trying to be portrayed. 
it doesn't matter. He would never be able to get past the fact that there were. I mean, the the the, the rapes and the the, the somewhat. Did he? Did they actually kill the other gang, or was it just? No, they just kind of knocked did, him. They out. just beat them to the ground. Is yeah. what they yeah, did because the because you hear the police sirens and they have to run off. So I mean, I mean, there's a potential for that other gang being killed, but I'm thinking right. like they're just like badly, <laughs> that, badly hurt. But that fight scene. I mean, it's it's not really. I mean, that's like PG thirteen violence. It's not oh, that. Oh, fight for scene. today, yeah, no, it is PG thirteen violence for today. But if you look at it, though, I mean, it's it just is pretty brutal. If you I mean, hyper brutal. As for, soon as the woman is is gone and she's off screen, it right. turns into like a fun little well, ballet. It is like, like a dance. TV PG fight scene. I <laughs> no, mean, that, that could have been rated. It seems PG. like in, in the movie, the only time violence is really glorified is when um, Alex is beating down his own gang. They're walking by the river, and he's like, I don't want these guys having their own plans because I'm in control, and there's this slow motion. That's the only time there's almost an elegant um, slant. I think there's one other time. I think there's one other time, and I think that the violence that Alex experiences at the hands of his own droogs, when the droogs are cops... Oh, when yeah. When they grab him. Yeah, I forgot and about that scene. At the end, you know, closer to the end, when they when he is he is absolutely paralyzed by by his inability to react to violence, his inability to react to any of these things because of the conditioning he's gone through. The fact that his own friends, quote unquote, air quotes, right, grab him and and Dr- practically drown him. Yeah, they they, mm-hmm. drive they him out, practically they drive drown him. him. The country, they have him. It, it seems like a trough of sorts is kind of sitting out in a field, and they're shoving his head. It in would it, have been then, at one point. Um, it would have been like a watering station for horses. Or yeah, something and then like Dim, that. which they become cops. We haven't mentioned, which is wonderfully ironic. Which we experienced the shock along with Alex. <laughs> well, no kidding. I mean, we kind of it's kinda... which what which occurs right after he runs into the bum who they beat up in the very beginning yeah. of the movie. And so he, this they... is like the beginning of the third act. It is, is yeah. when he's released, and that scene where he goes to his house. Oh God! And that Joe guy was there. <laughs> what, was, what was the outfit? That was, okay, that so guy was wearing. Every time that he was in his house, all I kept thinking in my mind was Terry Gilliam, Terry Gilliam, no Terry kidding. Gilliam, Terry Gilliam. <laughs> Like that, that whole set is like every Terry Gilliam movie wrapped up into it one. It made me think of Time Bandits. I know, man. Like her hair, his mom's hair. What was up with that? The, the every, every scene, and she keeps getting older and older. It seems, but her 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 clothing and everything else keeps getting younger and again, air quotes, hipper. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And like I think that. that that was kind of the point to make it almost. Um, I mean, not even almost, but completely gaudy. No, yeah. to maybe show so the extravagant trying, and so the, over. The parents are trying to make up for something because they're not involved necessarily in their son's lives. It just seems like, oh, yeah, let's, let's think. And then uh, my favorite name of the movie isn't the large, but it's Deltoid. Um, <laughs> Mr. Deltoid? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 That scene where he lays yes. down with Alex at the beginning. Oh, and he's I in know. His underwear. Yeah. <laughs> And then he just like then his he just lawyer. He's him. like, yes, let's see the victim. And then yes. when he drinks, he drinks the water out of the denture cup, and it, the teeth are still in there. Yeah, and you're, I, I swear, the look on his face, I thought he was going to hurl. And just based on the ultra violence, which again, term from the movie, ultra violence that was there, I almost thought, oh yeah, we're going to see some ultra sick, but no. He forces it down. 
He mm. he finishes the water without. Who doesn't notice that he's drinking denture water? I know, at that right? Point? I know, right? I mean, that is wrong. I feel like this is one of those movies that fits into the category of um, if I and I don't I don't think my I don't think my girlfriend Anna has ever seen this movie, but. Um, if I met somebody who was interested in film and was like, oh, yeah, I've never seen 2001, I'd be like, oh, you 100% have to see it and then don't ever watch, watch it, it again. again. Absolutely, yeah. Because it is – I mean I can see why it makes it to the top ten no, of absolutely. every film list. Like I can see the relevance. I can see the importance for sure. Well, the cinematography but, alone. Yeah. I mean it's it's a two-hour movie that feels like six hours. It well, depends on your mood. It drags. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it just depends on what kind of mood you're in because sometimes I just want to watch – you know, a cheap action film with lots of explosions and oh, John claude oh, yeah. Van Damme roundhouse oh, yeah. kicks. And I don't care. Sometimes it's like, you know, I just want to experience a movie with no interruptions and my phone's going to, you know, be thrown into the next room and I don't care. And I just want to sit down and, and watch this and experience it. That's kind of what, um, like, well, if, if we're going by, like, um, suggestions when it comes to Kubrick's work, um, a lot of times with almost any film you're, we're talking about, it's like maybe break it up into chunks. Yeah. You know, with some of his films, because he's not one of those guys that's just like, okay, furious pace, even though a Clockwork Orange, like it opens and it's it's very quick. But then after that, it kind of develops a little bit more and slows down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it, it's like you can tell from, you know, some of the shots that sometimes it's apples to apples. But um, a Clockwork Orange is definitely a different beast than, you know, his other movies even though there's some you look you look at what he did though you look at the bulk of his work and there's not one movie that you could watch and not walk away and go what well that's what i just watch that that's what's so interesting too about kubrick all of them yeah i mean i i i know that the the ones that i know the best are shining and 2001 and both of those movies, the endings, not just the last 10 minutes, but the last, like, 60 seconds, it not just suggests that maybe what you think happens, happens, but it forces you to think differently about everything. You know, The Shining, when they zoom in on Jack Nicholson, and it says, in The Shining, it says The Overlook, 1923. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everything you thought... Maybe is different, or like two thousand one yes. with the monolith in the bedroom. You okay, can't. All right, not... the whole last thirty minutes of two thousand one is one giant acid trip. I'm sorry, two thousand one: A Space Odyssey was a wackadoo movie. And Kubrick, I'm looking at Kubrick's filmography. Have you ever seen Doctor Strangelove? It's billed as a comedy. Did you laugh ever? No. It made me breathe a little harder out of my nose than I normally well, do. Well, right. here's the thing, though. A lot of times with those labels, it's just somebody at a studio trying to make money. Yeah, okay. well, in a black comedy and a comedy. It is a black comedy. I watched it. I was going to use it for my class when I was in the classroom and I was teaching, uh, uh, you know, dark comedy or, or satire or whatever. And, and, and I was going to use that as an example of classic dark comedy. I watched it, and I was like, there is no funny here. My students are not going to get this. They're not going to get the morbid humor of the and, and the political satire that soaks into this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and God forbid I had tried to actually show that. Or a film like A Clockwork Orange, which, by the way, 
not in high school kids, never going to happen because of and, – and, and you could barely get away with it in college. Mm-hmm. You would have to be doing a study of Kubrick to get away with that in college even well, because it, it, it had an X rating for a while. I mean because well, of the – Well, he pulled it too. I know. He got death threats. His, well, I, I mean, know. In, in I real mean, life, too, uh, you know, you had gangs that were emulating a clockwork And orange. therein lies the issue because they, it was, it was again, it was life emulating art versus art emulating life. And, and that's never a cool thing unless you're talking about, you know, the Jedi religion or something like that. Well, Stu and his droogs were going around and Again, we had no, well, no, 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 this was, tipping this was over Macomb, machines. Illinois. Oh, this was Western this Illinois, was. what, yeah. what? <laughs> 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 Hopefully not hurting hobos with nightsticks. No, we, we barely uh, made it to the Hardee's there, so. So you burned down a Hardee's and then. No, what? no. No, we the just, Hardee's building is still there. No, yeah, it's, it's still a Mex- very much I think there. it's a Mexican restaurant now. Oh, yes. It might be. I don't know. I've been, haven't been back there in a while. So, anyway. Anyway, uh, why don't we take a little break? Groovy. I do have to pee. Ben has groovy to pee. Or groovy or groovy? Groovy. begin with a giant ceramic penis. Oh, well, my brothers. My brothers. If you're just tuning in, this is movie show theater. I can't do the accent. That's just ridiculous. What? You can't? I can't. I don't have the yabos. You don't have the yabos for it, do you? Ridiculous. Oh, Oh, yes. Well, I can do this accent very well. It's not quite the accent. That's your, like... This aristocrat. Is my, this is my aristocratic snotty, you know. I mean, I would break into this while reading Shakespeare for my students, and they would go, Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I can't read. Oh, I can't read, my brothers. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. So Ben brought up the ceramic penis. Yes, he did. Which is very interesting. The cat lady. Oh, the, the cat, cat lady. lady. Oh, yeah. that scene. Okay, so that's... Yeah. I feel like that's the start of the third act. It truly is, yeah. yeah. Because, well, first of all, he gets... She she grabs a bust of Beethoven, which is very <laughs> Tries symbolic. Tries to kill him with that. <laughs> in and of itself, because that's what he becomes aversive to. Right. So there's cats everywhere. He grabs the uh, penis, uh, walks out, and then gets hit, hit with some uh, milk. Well, yeah. I mean, he gets basically he gets smashed across the face with a milk bottle by Dim. Wasn't it Dim that did mm-hmm. it to him? The one who he's been making fun of all this time. And I, it, well, it's his comeuppance, number one. But number two, who kills someone with a giant ceramic penis? I mean, somebody very British. I mean, yeah, that's a very English thing to do. I mean. Or I was you know. I, w- I was kind of confused 
why that betrayal happened aside from the fact that he had this attack without like talking to his brothers. No, I think that I think that his buddies set him up from the get go. Yeah, they set him up. This was a whole setup. Yeah. This was I like mean, after they got oh, beat late. down. I think they, they went got this late and planned the whole thing. That's exactly yeah. right. I think that he there was like, hey, this is lady. She's all alone. She's wealthy and blah 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 blah. We kind can, of assumed that you know, was the and, case. And then and they set him up, and then they knew that he was going to go in because you know he's the alpha droog. They knew he was going to go in first. They knew that he would take care of things. And they also probably called the cops. Oh, no, wait. She called the cops. That's right. She called the cops. But right, because what he said resembled uh, what was in the papers about the first attack. Right, 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 right. Well, there it is. Yeah. I mean. He's almost, I mean, he used identical what language. About that, what about that mask that he wore? That obviously phallic with mask. The giant, with the giant uh, penis nose. coming out. I mean, there's, uh, yeah. there's phallic imagery. Throughout the entire the actual film. penises uh, throughout the entire movie. The the, the, the statues of the dancing Jesuses that were in his room. Yeah, it was like and the four chorus, of them. The chorus line of Jesuses. A snake. Basil. It, the whole thing was just filled with penis imagery. And so, so, so as, as hard as this movie is to watch and as emotionally straining as it is to watch, I feel like the scene where he... Comes home after being quote unquote reformed, right. and Joe is there. I feel like that's the most slapstick. It's probably like the funnest scene to watch because yeah, it, it is the funniest because Joe is just sitting there eating. Yeah, and and he's wearing the most ridiculous. It's almost like later hosen. I don't yeah, know exactly. what he's wearing. It's just this ridiculous, almost German Alps or Swiss Alps outfit or whatever it is. And uh, what what. And mom is even worse. Yeah. The color and hair. And her hair changes. Yeah. I, we, we talked about it earlier, but it is just like the embodiment of Terry Gilliam in every Terry Gilliam movie Gilliam. that Gilliam. I've ever seen. Gilliam. Not Gilliam. But this predates him. Is it Gilliam? It's yes, Gilliam. Gilliam. Oh, okay. And this predates him, too, so. It'd be like saying. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, gift. as far as influences goes, like, you know, I, I think that I saw this movie after I saw 12 Monkeys and after I saw other Gilliam movies. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, well, that's where he got this from. Uh, obviously. More than likely that, yeah, more than likely that, that mm-hmm. Gilliam was very influenced by Kubrick in a lot of ways. But you got to admit, though, in Gilliam films, there's that twisted humor that just is not in this movie. Except for this scene. Except for this scene. And and everything really in the house. I mean, everything in the house as far as, like, the color palette goes and as far as the snake goes, the time lapse goes. And, uh, I mean, it's... I I feel like it's got Gilliam written all over it, which is fine. Well, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's just where you draw influence from, but... Yeah, So so I love the time lapse. So there's a lot of interesting... Camera techniques, editing techniques that you see in certain Kubrick films. And Shining's got some. Mm-hmm. 2001 invented quite a few. Oh, geez, yeah. But this, movie, but this movie has a lot. There's a lot of slow motion. There's a lot of, like I just said, time lapse. There's a lot of kind of cutting edge coming from 1971, which was after Doctor Strange Love, but, you know, before Shining, before... Full metal jacket. Yep. Very much so. Yep. 
I, I it just you know it's one of those things where where you're looking at this and 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 back to the the Joe scene by the way I I just the fact that he just sits there and the fact that dad is the only one at first that just is so nervous mom doesn't even look nervous at first until her breakdown and mm-hmm. Joe's comforting her yeah I guess that's you know and everybody's it's, testing it's, him um, everybody's testing another him. viewpoint it's not maybe that the parents. Uh, don't care, but that they're scared of their own child. They are terrified of their because, own child I mean, at this he's, point. He's a sociopath and... Proven sociopath. Yeah, and they probably know exactly what he's doing. I mean, the moms made excuses for him before, like, oh, he's doing odd jobs at night, you know, getting some money here and there, which explains why he has Rolex watches in his drawer and... Yeah, money. and wads and wads of cash. I mean, geez, Louise, he when he... In, after that first sequence, he goes back to his house, lays down, takes the money out of his pocket, starts playing the Beethoven. By the way, I have never seen such a freakishly small tape as that Beethoven tape that he put in that, that oh, stereo. Oh, yeah, that was like a mini DV tape or something. I know. I Whatever was like, it was. What is that? I have ne- I, the only time I've ever seen that is in, in the little cassette recorders you would use like for a college class or something. Or I would have used because you guys are would have used something a little bit more advanced than Did that. You, must have been a cultural thing. <clears throat> it was a cultural thing at the time, but... He put that it's an English yeah, thing. You would have understand. Right that record, put that eight but then and why bam, listen exactly. to that Beethoven. But, <laughs> but then why not have a it's vinyl? Really why not have the record or something like that? Yeah. That would have made a hell of a lot Well, more. that's the well, thing, too. Think maybe... They were browsing through vinyl at the record store. Did, did you notice the placement of 2001? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Time yeah, out. Yeah. Time out. The record store. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the record store. Let's talk about the record store. That's really when you remember, like, again with the the popsicles. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The girls. Which, by the way, uh, going back to a prior point, um, talking about age differences. um, Once again, Anthony Burgess has no right to be outraged at a Clockwork Orange because in the book, the girls at the record store were about ten. Were they really? Yeah. Oh, well, that is kind of so much better than in the movie that they put them at an age-appropriate level yeah. for for Alex because... It would be illegal if he did that in film. <laughs> it would be illegal if he did that anywhere I at mean, any time. Yeah. I mean... Well, in some countries, I don't... It's, okay. Some countries have weird laws. Yes, Taiwan or Thailand Somewhere. or whatever. Yeah, but anyway. Okay, but that whole... Speeded up sex scene between those two girls with the William Tell overture. Oh, to be eighteen again! I know, right? And to have well, that not kind even of, eighteen, but yeah, but about you know that. what I mean. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, oh, yeah, to be yeah, eighteen yeah. and to have that kind of not just magnetism, but that ability and the willingness and everything else. I mean, what was it? Five, six, seven times in in that speeded up mm-hmm. montage or whatever it was. And the girls kept trying to get dressed, and he kept He's like, "Nope," getting them undressed. And and again, I was just dumbfounded by this. I sat out back, watched this whole sequence, and I'm like, "Am I actually watching this? Am I actually watching this?" It's like a, it's like a almost a Benny Hill esque. Yeah, sexy. it is. It's it's very. I almost it, expected it's, it's that. Expected, like them to, they're gonna be like doors that come out of the doors. They come out like a yeah. They're naked and they come back. But it was like a Keystone Cops, Marx Brothers kind of thing, right? I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was all just gratuitous sex. Well, so interesting about that fifteen-minute segment 
before that and after that is that the lighting I feel like there's a lot of lighting cues that remind me oh this is a dystopian future because I've, I've never dystopian. been in the well, UK here's, I've here's never the lived there you can you can argue, argue for or against that because you're so mm. trapped in Alex's world that you don't see a lot of the outside world so it's Alex fighting another game then it's Alex in prison but I would how's still, the rest of the world doing no no I but would, you I see would still the say dystopian on endless. the beautiful masterpieces you see that beautiful like UK theater where that second where the first girl is being raped. Oh yes, and like you get the idea that like the okay, there's been apart. many years and yeah, it's, the center is not holding. At this, this is point, a very yes. gradual decay. I mean, uh, the I, film is a dystopian. Okay, I mean on IMDb it the, is described the as the very a, existence of the freaking milk bar that they yeah. Go to. Okay, so let's talk about the milk bar oh because this gosh. is captivating. This this is one of those places where you would walk into I would walk into and be like, oh, "Nope," and turn around and walk out again because I know nothing good is going to happen in a place like this. It's like a, it was at that time probably supposed to be like a futurized version of an opium den. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, you and, look at the decor and where else would that Succeed. Uh, extra extra points for the delivery of the milk that's laced with drugs, though. Indeed, that was cool. Every house needs one of those. Every, out of the nipples, out of the nipples, out of, of the, the nipples. Yeah. And, yeah, and then <laughs> the fact that Dim approached it and started talking to it at yeah. one point. It was like, "Hello, love." <laughs> I just, I just, I love that they went to that. Karova Milk Bar at the beginning of the night and at the end of the night to, to well, kind it was of a like full circle, you know. You know it was a like... full debauchery circle, and I thought it was interesting when uh, Alex smacked Dim, basically beat him down because of his blasting his, of the his, his raspberry. Well, well, the the woman who was singing, mm-hmm. obviously, she was singing something that captured Alex, and he liked it, and he just destroyed Dim as a result. Mm-hmm. And and that was the beginning of the end for that little group. I, I it might have been the obvious beginning of the end, but it was definitely of that uh, other party group? Oh no, no, no. no. Of like, the Droogs. The Droogs. Of oh, the yeah, Droogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get the impression that that kind of treatment had been going on for a while based exactly. on what they were talking about in the apartment building lobby. And I was like, hey, stop treating Dim like this. This is the new way. You know, so that's where they started to, well, well, I shouldn't say they started to fall apart, but that was like the breaking point. For right. When they started to fall apart. <laughs> so there's been a lot of Corova milk bars that have popped up over time throughout the world. And I guess I remember watching this when I was way too young to be watching this. <laughs> I rented this for free at the library. What? You didn't rent it. You no, I borrowed did. it. Well, yeah, I, re- I borrowed it. Checked it um, out. But I was... I, I'm going to go to the library and rent me up some movies. <laughs> I hadn't had my license yet, so I just rode my bike, and mm. my parents thought, I don't, I don't know what movies you what you got. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. watch whatever you got. Yeah. And I watched the first 15 minutes, and I was just, like, shocked. And I thought, <laughs> okay, they're at a milk bar. They're obviously not just drinking milk, so I uh, wondered what they were milk. drinking. So it's what, what is Drencrum... It? What is Drencrum? Um, so Drencrum, <coughs> is it like a? Is it kind of like a? Um, oh crap! What's the stuff from? Uh, is it kind of like a uh, uh, an absinthe? 
Uh, yeah. Is that, is that so of... the Milk Plus is Veloset, Synthamesk, and Drencrum, which is translated to amphetamine, synthetic mescaline, <laughs> and adrenochrome, which would be like synthetic adrenaline, which would what? like well, be see, amphetamines. I never looked that wow. up, but the impression I got with the book and the movie, since it's both the same in that regard, is that... You know, it was some kind of heightened stimulant yeah. so that they can drink it and just not fall Go out asleep for like 12 You, you, yeah. you knew that Coke was in there somewhere. Yeah. You knew well, that it yeah. was going to find no its kidding. way in there. No kidding. But I guess the whole like... Um, Shagged and fagged. The whole, <laughs> the whole symbolic significance there is that they went to this milk bar because they were all under 18, so... They couldn't go to a bar that was over 21 or over 18, so they uh, went to this milk, milk bar, bar that was legal. Right, quote you know, unquote, But you slip again, somebody at 20 and they slip some... Well, with the, the, the animals at the masculine. door. The animals at the door. I mean, yeah. consider the... And the, the bouncers, too. That was really interesting, This too. is what there I'm talking about. These, so... these guys are enormous. These... All of them, and all they do is just sit around. Mm-hmm. There's no bouncing involved. I'd love to get paid to just sit around. Yeah, I mean, but that's all they did, and they were enormous, and they let these crazy kids in who got all whacked on whatever it was. I mean, the what you just described, and they went out and cr- just it's just amphetamines and mescaline stew. Oh, come just, on, I mean, yeah, don't be a square. So right. I find it really interesting when he, because I just watched this today again. I watched <laughs> it twice in a row. Wow. And it that was, takes a lot out of you. I wish that I could say that I got this whole, like, revelation of epiphanies upon the second watch. And I didn't really, but I do find the third act to be the most interesting of the I three. Love, I love the enormous muscle-bound dude who takes care of the author. I know, right? I think that's one of the best parts of the film because that guy could break Alex in a second. Yeah. It would take And nothing. just the way that he cradles him like a baby is just so he, wonderfully uh, symbolic. I mean, he falls in to the, the door. They take care of him. This author doesn't realize that until he starts singing, singing in the rain again, mm-hmm. in the bathtub. He doesn't realize that this is the very same guy who beat him down, crippled him, and led to the destruction of his wife. Again, it's one of those things where it is beautifully, beautifully Kubrick in this instance. And and this mute, this enormous, dark-haired muscle-bound, who barely speaks a word guy, is just carrying the the cripple around in his wheelchair. Yeah, when he brings him down the steps. I mean, he just lifts him up and carries him down the steps. And you got to think, that guy, holy God, he's just strong. Who has ever seen the Englishman that strong? Don't don't be that insulting. Well... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, rugby. I mean, rugby. I mean, That's there's some I brutes. And, and, yeah, there's and people honest, coming my way right there now. There were some we'll barbarians that, that came out of England and, and Ireland and whatnot. But again, this guy was enormous. Yeah, he, and, and super humble, too. Uh, he humble wasn't super meat and act jock no, about it. No, no, no. I mean, he just, you know, he was there, obviously, to be the legs for the author. 
So here's my question about this scene, too, because I found this scene to be, you know, when he's singing in the bathtub and he's got the rag on his face that's kind of a mask. Right. Which right, is right, kind right. of symbolic. Kind of symbolic. Right, 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 right. And right, the right. sponge. Right, right. The sponge moves around the bathtub. Every time they cut back, the sponge moves, which is kind of interesting. So, before. The 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 oh, part you know, where, yeah, the, yeah. where the where the writer is in the wheelchair. I have a hard time with the right 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 thing. So right, I right. thought you were just catching. No, up on the, it. so the, anyway, I'm sorry. That Go was ahead. No, 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 that's okay. So the scene where the writer hangs up the phone right. with the officials, and he listens to the singing in the rain, and then his facial expressions, dude. That is that was crazy. Epic. That, that was, was epic. that is like so much oh, more intense than any CGI. When he rolls up to the door and he's like. Have some wine. I know, right? <laughs> and then, and so, the, but, that, actually, you know what? That's that's actually another funny part of the movie when that, that's I think meant to be humorous. When Alex is just like looking at the wine, right, holding he's it up, like deciding oh, uh, whether or not he's like, <laughs> well, bottoms up. Oh. Yeah, he's thinking, yeah. I'm gonna die because I know this place <laughs> because he knows him, but supposedly he doesn't know that he knows him. Uh-huh. But my thought is. You know, he's he's on the phone talking to these, like, scientific government, like, middlemen before he starts singing Singing in the Rain. So this is one of my, like, discontinuities in the film is that he asked them to come over before he... He asked them to Before come over. Before the writer hears a, Alex sing no, no, Singing in the Rain. To, he asked them to come over as a genuine... He genuinely wants to backstab the government, and that's where the Clockwork Orange comes in, I believe. The, 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 the title of the book that he's writing, he is a diversive element for the government because he believes the government is the cause of what happened to him. It's the, it's the suppression or the repression of the youth. It's whatever it is that the government is doing to the current generation that's causing the the psychotic or the break or sociopathic sociopathic violence that's causing that caused mm-hmm. his predicament when he finally realizes that he has the very person who did this to him in his house it's after the phone call and, right and when those people get there he I don't know that he has any plan other than to do exactly what he did to Alex, which was torture him, finally, with music. After right, because as soon that- as Alex passes out in his pasta, the two people say, well done, whatever your name right, is. Right, exactly. But, but how would you know that, like... Oh, I think there's there, more There to must it. be a, there, time, there, a, a passing of time it. that we didn't see. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't... More. Well, they all know about him because he was... He and read it in the paper. He was in, he was well, in the papers, in the papers magazines. Right. I mean, I mean, I think even in the movie you see um, the picture of him on the stage from the scene which we... We haven't really talked about that a whole lot. Oh, the when he was on... When he's oh. being demonstrated and yeah. first the guy comes out and is insulting to him and, you know, said, hey, do you want to fight me? And Alex licks the guy's shoe and he's and this at is the, the worst. Time. This is the worst thing ever. My daughter... Oh, my God, my beautiful daughter. She came down the stairs... During that scene, sat down and got his she, – she's she's a burgeoning artist, my daughter, and she starts just sketching, and she's just sketching. And, and my wife and I don't realize because we're now watching this again together because 
we couldn't watch the first 15 minutes together, but we're watching the rest of it together. And we're sitting there, and she's sketching and sketching, and I'm like, Sophia, you really shouldn't be here now. And because I know something bad is going to happen, and some and boobs are going to pop some up, some boobs soon. are going to show and up sooner did. or later. <laughs> and lo and behold, boobs again. And and, and she's so she, obligatory too. There's no. She's drawing. She's drawing. She's drawing. And I and I look over, and her face is just this <laughs> mask of. Uh, I mean, it's just this, and she's like, and I was like, cover your eyes, just cover your eyes, and and then that whole. There's so much sexual tension at that point. There's so much tension in that point where Alex is like, want to touch the boobs? (laughs) And he can't because he then starts to retch. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, if this was ever real, if this was ever real that they could condition somebody against the most perfect set of boobs... By the way, in this entire film, all natural. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I you challenge anybody to look at any one well, of and those women. This is women. before the time of the. I know, but again, movement. oh my God, I love the seventies for that. Then mm-hmm. because all natural, like the scene where Alex is still in prison and he's the. Pet of the prison chaplain, and he's talking about the Bible, like the, right. the grape scene. And yeah. yeah, and how about that reenactment? Natural. It was one of those perfect moments, I think, because I, I remembered it from the book because the same thing happens in the book. Right. And that visualization is, I mean, it, it just burns itself onto your brain, like a lot of Kubrick's images and most of his films do. I mean, he's pretty much lashing Jesus in one scene and fighting in another scene as kind of like a uh, a Roman soldier. And then he's more like, um, almost like an emperor. You know, he has right. nude, <laughs> mostly nude women feeding him grapes or lounging around or fanning him off. Phenomenal. Yeah. And he's got, phenomenal. So, he's got so many childlike qualities, too, that I mean, oh, yeah. don't die out throughout the whole film. Even at the end, like we were talking about. He's the eternal 12 When the scientist is like feeding him bites and he just has his mouth open like oh, he's a little 10 year old. It wasn't the scientist. It was the politician. Yeah, it was, it was the guy. It was that the prime minister. It was the, uh, the Ministry of the Interior. Yeah, the Ministry mm-hmm. of the Interior. He's feeding him his dinner and, and Alex is just eating it like he's like making the noises. Whatever you want me to say is fine. One of the first scenes um, after they've reversed his treatment so he can be his normal sociopathic self when the nurse is showing him those those pictures. Oh, the stills. Yeah. Yeah. That was hilarious. (laughs) He finally realizes. And every time time he thinks he gets one right, he's like, (laughs) ha Next one. So I guess you've uncovered He's at least so now impressed with them. Three three parts of the movie that are at least that was a lot funny. of fun. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that part. I most enjoyed that. It's like or, a, like the guy climbing in the window. Oh no! I don't have time for the in and out, love. <laughs> no in and out. <laughs> and That's I I think wrong. a lot of that too. Oh, is, the slang is due to though. that culture okay. class. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean that deep it, cockney. It's called it, bad set. It, yeah, but it's like a mixture of like Russian, Russian and, and, and English, English and street language. I mean, it's just 
it's not even it's not even close to Cockney a lot of ways. It's it's just a mishmash. Yeah, I mean, I guess of, I guess Cockney would be of, like white trash British. It would be. And that yeah, would be that the would definition. be the definition. Yeah. yeah, but then but this was even it took it a step further. It was like all of these. It was it was truly a slang of I want to say the poor at that point. It was like the of the streets. I mean, yeah. true streets of that point. And and if that's the way it was, then. I had a hard time understanding a lot of it. Well, the the um, I almost wish they had subtitles. I, read, I, I know, right? The well, the the copies with. that I watched, I don't know if you watched the one I sent you, but I think I read Italian subtitles. I actually didn't. I weren't didn't. super helpful. No, I would imagine not. No, what I did was I I actually went to Netflix and just rented it off of Netflix. Oh, or, yeah. or not Netflix, uh, uh, Prime, Amazon Prime, Prime yeah. Amazon Prime if, um, available today. Hey, if you, absolutely. If you look it up, um, look up something like uh, NADSAT Primer because that's what I use to read the book. Because the book <laughs> is in that. I mean, it's in that slang, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was a bit difficult to make it through the book the first time because I had to like look up what a word meant. I mean, some of them are repeated, but then every once in a while there's a word that's thrown in. It's just like, wait, what does that mean? I, I yeah. might be able to get it from context. To write my love, right? Yeah. I mean, the Yarbles one is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Yarbles, Marbles. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But other ones, you know, <laughs> right in the Yarbles. Yeah, other ones. It's you know what? It's it, clear. As I was listening to the whole, as I was the whole, again, the first part of the movie when when he and his droogs are talking with each other, it reminded me of. Boy. It really reminded me of the scene, and this is going to be horrible. Mike Myers and uh, Michael Caine talking in. True Cockney in uh, Gold Member. <laughs> when oh, they're sitting yeah, on the, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, right, and they start going off, and it's such an outrageous scene. You gotta turn on subtitles I, I, for that. Absolutely, because it was just what? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I just kept thinking about Snatch. Oh yeah, I was like, again, if I can yeah. watch Snatch without subtitles, oh, well, I can get through this. Yeah, it was difficult though. But it is it, truly. It is. I mean, the narration is such poetry. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you can get half of it, I mean, if you can understand half of it, oh man, it's okay. worth it. Coming back to the narration and Jimmy, Ben, you have Stewart. my apologies. Yes, happy right. apologies. Happy sure. apologies, brother. Happy apologies. Right, anyway, you have my apologies about bashing narration all along. In this film, it is not only necessary to have the narration, but it is the film. Yeah. Because you are living in Alex's head. Because you know that he lives. Yeah, oh, through the whole thing. Oh, I mean, yeah. sometimes the fourth wall is broken down. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's absolutely necessary. Any other film where it's just there to provide some sort of a hackneyed excuse to give some setup or whatever, bullcrap, bullcrap, bullcrap. This, no. This was necessary. This was Kubrick at his finest as far as narration goes. Be interested in seeing other Kubrick's films with narration. Now, just imagine the Shining with uh, just Jack Torrance narrating. So I was thinking about chopping my family up. <laughs> No, but then, uh, then I realized there I was a naked like, lady a in the behind-the-scenes retrospective on Jack yeah, Nicholson. No kidding, right? Absolutely. Find us on MovieShowTheater.com. Listen to the rest of this episode. Otherwise, this is ninety point seven WAZU.